From Loyola University Chicago School of Law and WLUW, this is The Podvocate. We're law students exploring the vanguard of the legal world with experts from our backyard and beyond. Welcome everyone to The Podvocate. I am your host, Matt Doran, a 3L here at Loyola. We're talking today with Sheena Patel, an accomplished alumnus who works as counsel at Tesla. Sheena, welcome to The Podvocate. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Great. Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself before we dive in? Absolutely. So I live in and work from Chicago, but moved here from Austin, Texas, where my family is and where I went to school at the University of Texas. I graduated from UT in 2012 and went straight to law school. So I graduated Loyola from Loyola in 2015. My fiance and I have been in Chicago since then, with the exception of about a year spent in the Bay Area, which is when I started at Tesla. But we're back. We love the city so much. And uh, we're looking forward to 2021 because we tied a knot later this year. Oh, congratulations. Congratulations. Uh, although I think everyone has been looking forward to 2021. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh, for many, many reasons. <laughs> yes. When's the big day? Uh, November 28th. It's our second postponement. So keep your fingers crossed for me. <laughs> Rain or shine, we're doing it. Go for it. I say go for it. All right. Well, let's start at the beginning. What brought you to Chicago for law school from UT? So in college, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, I started off pre-med and quickly realized that that wasn't for me. And then I ventured into business and just couldn't find an area that interested me enough. So I didn't really consider law school until the very last minute. And in thinking about my strengths and interests, you know, I'd always been a strong writer and I was in this honors program at UT that really sharpened my writing and reasoning skills. And then I was interested in business, but like I said, just couldn't, you know, commit to a particular area. So once I started researching law school and legal careers, it felt like a light bulb went off and I made the decision to pursue business law. And it just all unfolded very, very quickly from there. I'm grateful that it worked out because in retrospect, it definitely seemed like a, a hasty decision that I had made. Very cool. And that's that's really great to hear because I think that, you know, I think particularly among law students, for some, and I, and I include myself in this, you, you can look at some of your classmates and you can see this like deep, deep drive. And they've been wanting to be lawyers since they were four years old. And, you know, they worked super, super hard in high school and worked even harder in college. And I think for some people it was I think I want to do this. Or for me, it was a much later in life decision. I very much wanted to do it, but it was a later in life decision. I didn't know that I wanted to do it when I was younger. And so I am I think it will be encouraging for listeners to know that, you know, you made this last minute decision and it turned out exactly what you wanted it to be. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's okay to be lost. It's okay to give something a try. It'll, it'll work out. It always and, does. And in that vein, was there a moment when you were at Loyola you know, because like you said, you were pre-med, you switched, changed your mind. This was a last minute decision. And then um, you, you, it felt like a good fit. And when you start began the application process, but once you came to Loyola and you were a student and you were studying and in the thick of things, was there a moment where you thought, okay, yes, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be? Yeah, it, it definitely wasn't a moment. It took some time, to be honest with you, um, because everything happened so quickly. And so I just didn't really know what to expect from law school. And I didn't know anybody that had gone to law school. So you know, didn't really have someone to talk to about it. I remember at orientation, uh, there were there was a group of people and they were talking about outlines. And I had no idea what an outline was or why it was so important. And in that moment, I felt scared. Like, 
Like I was the only one who didn't know how all this was supposed to work because I was hasty or, you know, kind of felt like an imposter, like, you know, uh, it, it was tough. And add to that, the fact that I was living by myself in a new city for the first time and trying to make new friends, it all just felt very challenging. So ultimately leaning into that challenge was crucial for me. It was putting myself out there, meeting new people, asking questions, um, engaging with the curriculum, uh, like, and reminding myself that I had a purpose for being here. Ultimately, that provided a sense of, of belonging. And that was one of the things I really loved about Loyola too. It was very easy to find a sense of community there between like the professors and the deans and advisors and the wonderful friends that I made. I felt really supported and it allowed me to grow tremendously over the next three years. It didn't hurt that I was enjoying what I was learning too. Oh, of course. I I imagine if you're just dreading going into class every day, that this is, that's a different yeah. story. I mean, some classes. Let's be honest, but yeah, overall, it of was, course, it was fun. Yeah. What were some of the classes that you gravitated towards most? So I definitely you know went in there with the I want to be a business lawyer, a corporate lawyer. So I you know took all manner of of business law classes. I think. Particularly, I loved Professor Qualls' tax law certificate classes. Um, I liked working with numbers. I liked that it was relatively more straightforward, um, a welcome respite from other areas of the law. And I, I genuinely believe that Professor Qual is one of the best educators out there. Uh, so I loved his classes. And I took a lot of other business law classes, uh, the business law clinic, the consumer law review. So it worked really well for me to cast a wide net. Um, and it, it, was, it was great that Loyola had so many options. Was there anything that surprised you in your three years there? Similar to what I was talking about earlier, I think just how much law school pushed me outside of my comfort zone and how much I was willing to, to lean into that. Like, like I said, I experienced more growth in those three years than I had ever imagined. And it was addicting, right? Because I was forming this significant part of my identity. And so on my own terms, which felt really good. And I didn't really have that in college. I was very lost before law school. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I know the feeling well. <laughs> and like I said, I, I imagine that there are plenty of listeners out there who, who have felt lost um, and, find, and find themselves at Loyola uh, or law school in general, juxtaposed with those students who, you know, knew from the womb that this was exactly where that they needed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm glad to, to see that, you know, Loyola has always had that ability to welcome both types of students and build a community of both types. Absolutely, 100%. In line with the classes that you gravitated towards, was there a particular class or an extracurricular that you feel best prepared you for your career? Yeah, um, let's see. I, I have to go back to like the tax law certificate classes. I mean, I didn't, I didn't want to be a tax lawyer. I wanted to be like a general corporate lawyer. But where I ended up now in my career, I'm so grateful for those courses. And I think just generally speaking, anyone who's interested in business or corporate law, having that foundation in tax law will serve you very well. So I I would encourage um, anyone who's interested in those areas to pursue the tax law certificate. The business law clinic, um, Shelly Dunk was was the professor. Not sure if she's still there, but she she was great. And that was a a lot of hands-on training and exposure to, to sort of real world issues. So I enjoyed that clinic a lot as well. And then adjunct professors had a variety of business law classes, and it was always nice to learn from somebody who was out there practicing. I think that's, uh, I think that's well said. I'm, and I'm taking some of those myself this semester, those uh, adjunct taught hyper-focused 
business classes, and I'm, I'm looking forward to those. What did you want to do when you graduated? Yeah, so I mentioned uh, I had gone in with the goal, and anybody who talked to me, I would tell them I want to be a corporate lawyer at a law firm, and then you know maybe specialize and eventually move in house. That was that was like my line. <laughs> okay, I'm curious to to pause for a second and ask you about that singular focus on corporate law, because as I'm sure you experienced as a Loyola student, there's a, a fairly significant push for the social justice type of legal work. But you feel, you know, I, and I think you've expressed uh, very well that Loyola certainly did a perfectly good job, a good, a great job of preparing you for a corporate law career. Um, did you ever feel like you, even though you were prepared, maybe you wished that the school had you know, been more vocal about supporting students who want to pursue that kind of work? That's a great question. And I I would say that I felt Loyola did, did a perfectly fine job. Um, anything that I felt like I was lacking, and I wouldn't even be able to articulate that to you right now because I don't even think I thought anything was lacking. I was seeking it elsewhere, um, you know, through you know, mentors outside of school and internships and the things that I was doing. So I felt like holistically, I had what I needed to feel supported as somebody who wanted to pursue corporate law. Somewhat similar as well. And I've spoken with um, friends who are attorneys, friends who are at other law schools, and they've said all in, in, you know, some form that law school prepares litigators not transactional attorneys, even though the world needs more transactional attorneys. First, is that a statement you would agree with? I would, I I agree with it. I mean, I don't think, I I think I'm, I'm of the camp where you learn on the job. Like, I think you learn how to be a good lawyer on the job. I don't think you learn it by through law school necessarily, but that being said, like I, I mentioned earlier, I loved what I was learning. I loved like engaging with the coursework and yeah, I, (laughs) <laughs> it's it's a good question. I, I don't I don't necessarily think law school prepares you to be a transactional lawyer. You really have to commit to your internships and the things that you're doing outside of law school in order to get a sense for what it means to be a transactional lawyer. Do you feel like you got a let's say a baseline feel for uh, transactional work via the clinics? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Through through those you know few clients that I had um, understanding. Yeah, what it meant to do client-facing work in a, in a transactional atmosphere. I think the clinic definitely prepared me for that. And then I would say it was it was my internships that really um, solidified that I was on the right path. That this is something that made sense for me and that I wanted to do. Okay, that's great. And I I make the a similar plug uh, to anyone who will listen, frankly, about the clinics. Um, I was I happened to be in. And actually, I don't think it was there when you were there, uh, when you were a student. I'm in the Veterans uh, Law Practicum, which is kind of a subgroup of the Community Law Center, um, but we specifically um, uh, service veteran clients. I see. Um, yeah, it was there. I've loved it. Yeah, it's, it's important. It's important to get hands-on experience, for sure. The more you can do in law school, the better. So you wanted to go into transactional work. How did it work out? Tell us about your first job after graduation. Yeah. Uh, so it wasn't that, which at the time felt like a death sentence, but uh, in fact, it was the complete opposite. I, I, after graduation, I really struggled to find opportunities in corporate law. Uh, the law firm I had interned at, while great, wasn't hiring first years. And uh, it felt like the market was just so competitive and saturated with applicants. 
So six months after I graduated, like about around the time I was admitted to the bar, I had to make the decision to look outside of law firms. And so I started considering um, big law accounting firms uh, because uh, specifically the tax lines of service. So, you know, I had this tax certificate. I'd had some tax law experience from prior internships. So it seemed like a solid option. And I ended up starting as an associate in the indirect tax group at PwC, consulting on sales and use tax and value-added tax matters, which are very unique and interesting and often require a lot of legal research and analysis. So it was a really good fit for me. There were a couple of other lawyers in our, in our group as well. Um, and for those who don't know, Big Four functions similarly to Big Law. Um, there's a lot of training, a lot of access to resources and growth opportunities. And overall, it's very, it's a, it was a great place for me to start my career. Although I will say I had known about a year into it that I had sort of pigeonholed myself. And I think a lot of uh, like lawyers find themselves in a situation after graduation. I, I kind of knew that corporate law wasn't really a possibility anymore now that I'd found myself in this very niche area of tax law. Um, but, you know, I was experiencing success and I had worked hard to be able to ask for the types of projects that suited my skills and experience. I had work-life balance. Um, so I could have stayed there and been, been okay. And to your earlier point about um, leaning in to being pushed outside your comfort zone, it sounds like that might've actually been a, a good practice for this experience. You know, you, you wanted some particular thing. It was ended up in something that was super niche and maybe outside your comfort zone to start. But if you lean in, you find out, Hey, you know, I can make a career out of this. I have a work-life balance. This is this is something that I can adapt to and, and, and work from. Exactly. Yeah. It's been it's that lesson has been throughout my entire like law school legal career journey. It's just like being a little uncomfortable is sometimes the best way to, mm-hmm. to end up in, in a good situation. I'd like to talk about those six months uh, very briefly because I think you know, I'm a three L. Um, I imagine a lot of 3Ls who are going to be graduating in May are graduating into a very uncertain economy. Um, Sadly, I suspect that a number might very well be in very similar shoes to you, uh, where they've passed the bar but are still looking for work. What uh, both practical advice in terms of continuing to find employment and ways to, to stay professionally busy, as well as what kind of emotional advice can you offer those students and graduates? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And first, I, I mean, I completely sympathize as, as in your shoes. Um, don't get discouraged. I think the what worked for me was just really putting myself out there and trying to talk to as many people as possible, not necessarily networking to find a job, but also just to sit in front of somebody and hear their story and find like inspiration in other ways. If you're interested in a particular area of law, you know, do the nighttime reading, like stay busy, like, you know, bolster your resume through your ability to, to just continuously have a thirst for knowledge in, in the area that you're interested in. People will see that it's very transparent when you're passionate about what you're, what you claim you're interested in. And just, yeah, like it's, I know networking is pushed so hard and I think there's a right way to network and a wrong way to network. And it, it did work for me. I did not find my job through networking, but I did, you know, meet so many people that were able to give me advice about other things I could do. Big four accounting um, came to me via somebody that 
be a mentor uh, where I would constantly be like, no, I want to do corporate law. I want to be at a law firm. And, and the suggestion came up and I wouldn't have considered it otherwise. So definitely put yourself out there. Don't get discouraged and it, it, it'll work out. And like I said, I felt pigeonholed. Like I've, you know, as soon as I started at PwC, I still had it in my head that I needed to be at a law firm practicing corporate law. Um, and, you know, we both said leaning into that uncomfortable situation can sometimes work out. And so don't get, you know, whatever situation you end up in, lean into it, commit to it and see if that helps shift your path to something that you, you know, may end up working out better for you. That's great advice. And, you know, I hope that, I hope that only a sliver of graduates have to heed that advice, um, that this, this market's not looking as positive uh, as we might like. I'd like to ask you about uh, and pit and drill down just a little bit for our, our business law and transactional minded listeners. Um, once you were at PwC for X amount of time and realized that this might in fact be your career niche, did you think about going for an LLM in tax law? Um, I, I didn't. And I think uh, we were talking earlier about how, you know, I felt I feel like you learn on the job. Um, I felt like I was learning so much and being at PwC with the amount of training and the amount of resources I had at my fingertips, it, I didn't even feel like it was necessary for me to go and, and pursue education further. Like at that point, I just wanted to commit to my job and learn through clients and, and the work that I was doing. So no, the LLM definitely didn't occur to me. Although I think it makes sense, you know, for some folks, it sort of just depends on what you're learning and if you're interested in pursuing that education further or what you're doing and if you're interested in pursuing education in that further. I, I appreciate you saying how much you're learning already at PwC because um, I spoke to a tax professor at Loyola who, you know, and I was asking for some uh, career feedback and this professor said, you know, if you wanted to go for the uh, tax law LLM because you're interested in tax, um, just be aware that at least coming out of Northwestern, about 70, even 80% of their graduates end up at the big four accounting firms. So since you were already there, <laughs> maybe you were getting better training anyway, and for free as, as compared to paying Northwestern's tuition. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You, you'll be fine. If you end up in big four, you will, you'll get the training you need. You probably won't feel the need to expose yourself to more tax, uh, tax law than necessary. <laughs> okay. Um, so as you mentioned, eventually you ended up working at Tesla and briefly moving to the Bay Area. Tell us how that job came about. Yeah, so uh, my fiance had an incredible opportunity out there in the Bay Area, and we decided that he should pursue it. So I had the opportunity to move with PwC, um, which I'm so grateful for. But then this Tesla position came out of nowhere, which I think is a universal truth. Like it always happens when you least expect it. And it was the first time I had seen an in-house counsel position for indirect tax, the specific type of tax that I was I was doing. And it was everything I wanted. It was more law, more challenges, more opportunities to take initiative. It was like that classic, um, like, like uh, wide and shallow versus narrow and deep situation. And I think the former really worked well for me in the first couple of years of my career in terms of training and exposure. But I think I thrive well in, in the latter. So. Um, yeah, here was an opportunity to work for an incredible company with an you know important mission statement and innovative products. Uh, so truly, it was a dream come true. It still feels like a dream sometimes. <laughs> That's great. That's really really cool. 
the listeners would be disappointed if I didn't ask, did you, have you met Elon Musk? I have not met him. I have definitely seen him around the office and oh, okay. he's like a celebrity. He's got his own security <laughs> team. It's great. He's, he's <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. Cool. I'm in awe of him. So are you, st- so you're still doing, um, and forgive me, I, this, that is an, this new terms to me, S- something about state and local use tax and you're doing that at Tesla? Yes. Yeah. So I'm a senior legal counsel on the tax audits and advisory team. And I, my, my current focus is on indirect tax for the Americas. So that would be like your sales and use tax for the United States, um, value added tax for international jurisdictions. Uh, that's my current focus. My day-to-day involves like everything from tax planning, tax controversy, uh, risk assessment, general advisory, I'm sure you know, like tax touches all aspects of a business. So being a good tax lawyer definitely requires business acumen. And I'd say I've learned so much about how business works in such a short period of time. Um, And I love that aspect of my job um, because, you know, and the fact that I get to participate in this strategic decision-making with other areas of the business for the company as a whole, it's vastly different from what I was doing at PwC. Very cool. Very cool. Are there any legal challenges or anything specific to your work that is uh, unique to being at a big tech company versus being in-house at, you know, a products company, even like a Coca-Cola that's, you know, even though it's big and international, it's still very, very well-known and fairly entrenched, whereas Tesla's growing, it's also focused on technology. Is there anything endemic to that particular type of business that um, presents unique challenges for you? Yeah, I think that legislation always needs to catch up to innovation. And especially in the work that I do, I feel like, you know, tax law hasn't necessarily contemplated the types of products we sell or even how we sell them. Um, You know, for example, we're a direct to consumer manufacturer and our vehicles are as much technology as they are a means of transportation. And those things present really unique challenges uh, when it comes to to tax planning and even tax controversy. So, but that's what makes this job interesting. Fair enough. So you mentioned how when you were nearing graduation and even when you were at PwC, you had this very singular focus on, I'm going to be a corporate lawyer at a law firm. You've now done big four accounting firm and you've now worked at Tesla and having been in-house for nearly two and a half years, do you ever see yourself going back to, you know, the traditional a law firm environment? Yeah, no, I, <laughs> no, I, I feel like I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. I feel like the sky is the limit at Tesla. And just for a company that's experienced such a tremendous amount of growth and success in such a short period of time, there's opportunity everywhere you look. And, and I very much enjoy that. I think it's very exciting and fulfilling. And, it, and in some way, like what I was saying earlier about how tax just touches so many aspects of the business and you really have to be well-versed in business to be successful as a tax lawyer. In some ways, I feel like I met my goal. I feel like I feel like a business lawyer who just happens to specialize in, in tax versus a tax lawyer. So I'm yeah very happy with how things worked out. That's great to hear. And I imagine you wouldn't be happy with how things worked out if you also weren't feeling personally happy that your home life wasn't happy. So, and you mentioned a home life balance earlier. Are you still able to find that? I mean, 
pandemic issues aside where we yeah. are technically home all the time? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I do feel like I have work-life balance. It's not always consistent or predictable. And sometimes they feel completely overwhelmed, but I have what I need to feel supported. Um, my boss is wonderful and very respectful of my life outside of work. And we trust each other, which is, I think, oftentimes what work-life balance comes down to. You know, and circumstances obviously change. Uh, it's just my fiance and me right now. Um, but, you know, right now I consider myself very fortunate. And I hope that as, you know, life goes on, that I'll still be able to have this. I, I don't doubt that I will. That's great. Do you have any specific tactics that you employ? And, and I ask because sometimes, you know, uh, people can say, oh, I, I, you know, I'm looking for work-life balance and I, I think I might be able to do better, but I'm struggling to make it happen. And some people have a particular app that they use that just, you know, changed their lives because it, it framed things in a certain way where people are like, oh, I didn't realize I even had that hour. Is there, are there any particular tactics you use that really make that work-life balance a bit more seamless? I, I am a creature of routine and habits. So for me, having my day-to-day, -day, my Monday through Friday look very similar from day-to-day helps a lot being able to carve out that hour for a workout or carve out that hour to cook dinner. I'm sort of lucky in a way because I'm working West Coast time. So I have that little bit of extra time in the morning to get some things in. Uh, but obviously it eats into my evening a little bit more, you know, and having those conversations with my boss and just, you know, being, being very transparent about, you know, I'm blocking off my calendar here, just so you're aware it's good to have open conversations with your supervisor, or your boss, just to make sure that, you know, you're able to get in a little bit of me time and, and things that you want to do outside of work. Was that something that you came in, in like a, a conversation that you had right from the get-go? Yeah. As soon as, as soon as um, they had okayed uh, my moving out to Chicago, uh, my boss and I sat down and talked expectations and, you know, we'd said, obviously working West coast time, like, here's what I think makes sense for me it's, we had a very transparent conversation. And I, I was saying earlier that I feel lucky in the sense that I, I have a boss who I'm able to just like be open and honest with, and we work really well together for that reason. It helps that our team is so small too. Um, we saw, we sort of get it. We talk about our lives, you know, like he is very well, well aware of the fact that we're on our second postponement, but I was planning my wedding for a really long time. And so I was spread a little bit thin there and uh, he was supportive of that. So that's great. That's great because I, I feel like some graduates and they get into a particular uh, and they get into an environment, particularly in big law, where they feel understandably so grateful and lucky to be there, um, but they don't have those conversations for fear of ruffling any feathers or seeming ungrateful. Um, and I think it's important to have those conversations. I really empathize with that, and it's something that I mean. I wish I had something more to say on that. I just not having been in that situation before, and it's not black and white for sure. You know, not everyone has a luxury to be that open and transparent with their their bosses. So, um, yeah, I definitely empathize, and hopefully, someone else on this podcast has addressed that work life balance a little bit better than I have. Do you have time for pro bono projects? Uh, yeah, not so much pro bono. I try to uh, give back to the community in other ways. Um, the extracurricular that changed everything for me in law school was the Women's Law Society. I was president my 3L year and I was working really closely with the bar, a Women's Bar Association of Illinois. Uh, so giving back through mentorship and even just creating a community in which people feel supported, similar to what I had when I started at law school, 
um, has been super important for me. And so to that end, I was president of Women at Tesla, uh, which is doing incredible work, especially when it comes to younger students and STEAM education. So in 2021, I hope to keep contributing to those efforts. And there's an organization here in Chicago called Lawyers for the Creative Arts, which is more traditional pro bono that I'm hoping to get involved with this year. Oh, very cool. I'll have to follow up with you separately on that. I have a, a writing background before coming to uh, coming to law school and pursued creative writing and published some fiction. So maybe that's the yeah. uh, the pro bono organization that I'll have to get involved with after Absolutely. graduation. Yeah, happy to share what I know. So last question, if you could do law school all over again, is there anything you do differently? <laughs> Not even a little bit. I'm I'm very proud of that period in my life, even though, you know, I wasn't like a top student. I didn't get the job straight out of law school that I wanted. Um, I wouldn't do it differently at all. It all worked out. I'm very proud of that period in my life. That's really, really great. And I, and I think, and, and please correct me if I'm putting words in your mouth instead, but I, it seems like that stems from your rise to the occasion attitude and adaptability and saying, this is the new thing, lean into it, adapt, you know, change to these circumstances and make the most of it. And it's obviously worked out very, very well for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's sort of like the, the theme of this podcast, mm -hmm. I hope is what people take away from it. It's just, it wasn't easy for sure. Like it, it's so much easier said than done to be in a situation you don't necessarily want to be in and taking it in stride. But I promise you it, it, it definitely will work out eventually. Yeah. Well, that is, is great advice and, and hopefully encouraging to the listeners who are graduating this year or even next year in a, into a very uncertain environment. Sheena Patel, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. That's all from us here at The Podvocate. Thanks again for joining us today. Our team wants to hear from you. If there's a topic you want the show to cover, please email us at thepodvocate at gmail.com. Visit our website at thepodvocate.com for more information on this episode and our guests. The Podvocate is produced by WLUW, the student-run independent radio station broadcasting from the School of Communication at Loyola University, Chicago. Our senior editor is Radhika Sutherland. Our associate editors are Olivia Ashe, Emmett Harrington, Leanne Jossend, and Lenny Reiner. Our editor-in-chief is Matt Doran. Special thanks to Dean Michael Kaufman for providing the resources and support to make this show possible. From Loyola University Chicago School of Law, this has been The Podvocate.